All right, church, this is our last week on Next Level. Next week, we're getting right back into 1 Corinthians where we left off because I swore to somebody, we're going to finish 1 Corinthians before this year is over, okay? We're going to finish that whole book, okay? So we're jumping back in. If you're kind of new to the church, uh, we started this uh, series on 1 Corinthians back in February. We've just been easing our way through, and every now and then I, I take a little break or a little breather because there's something, you know, just different or fresh uh, that God wants to mix in there, and that's what this Next Level series has been. Uh, but next week, we're jumping in on Corinthians. You can go find, you know, podcasts or YouTube to catch up on what uh, the previous, you know, six, I think chapter seven is where we left off last. But if you want to catch up on any of that, you can. Uh, but today, we're finishing up Next Level. I want to read for you Ephesians 6, verse 12. And if you, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we always, we keep Bibles up there at the table as you guys are coming in, but we just give those away for free. We want people to have the word uh, and be able to get into it for themselves, to be able to dig in. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Uh, today's sermon title, I, I don't usually start out a message like this, but I'm going to tell you the sermon title. Usually I, I don't tell it until, you know, our tech people are like, hey, uh, what should we call this on the podcast or YouTube? And I come up with something in about, you know, 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, that's a good title. There you go. This title I, I got for you right off the bat this morning. Next Level Warfare. That's what we're talking about today. Ephesians 6, 12, that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about next level warfare. Luke 4, 5 through 8. This is when Jesus went out into the wilderness after fasting for 40 days. It says this, verse 5, Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Like that, that's an incredible image right there when you really think about it. The devil took him up to this high place and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I, I, I don't know what that looked like, you know. I don't know if, you know, Satan pulled out his iPhone and was like, man, check out all the kingdoms of this world. I, I don't know what he did to reveal that to him in that moment. But he said to him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I, I've read over that a lot in my life, but this week it hit me different. The enemy, Satan, he said, I will give you glory of these kingdoms and authority over them because they are mine. They're mine to give to anyone I please. And then once again, go back, go back to that Ephesians verse. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We've lost, we've lost the view of the early church. The early church, the way they viewed the world around them, they saw it as there was an unseen battle taking place. 
There's an invisible war at work in this world. They had a supernatural worldview. Today, our, our worldview in the church today has become, man, what can we see? What can we understand? What can we touch? What can we feel? It's what we can understand with our minds because we can see it and understand it. The early church understood that there is an unseen world at work. We have to return to that view. We have to return to that mindset because if we don't have that mindset and realize that there is a spiritual battle taking place, it's easy for the enemy to distract us because we'll get distracted by everything we can see, everything we can hold on to, everything we can grasp in this world. We will get distracted by it. And when you get distracted by the enemy, you get disconnected from the Father. That's what he wants to do. He wants to distract us so he can disconnect us. That's all he wants to do. If you're writing, if you're taking notes, there you go. There's the whole sermon today. I could stop right there. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract us so he can disconnect us. Think about everything this world is designed to do. It's designed to keep us occupied and busy and our minds constantly focused or distracted on something, whether it's music, TV, entertainment, sports. Even if the Huskers are bad, we still torture ourselves and we watch. You know, we do this to ourselves and we get distracted because we're so focused on what we can see, we lose our focus on the unseen. Today, I, I want us to return to focusing on the unseen. Every Sunday when we gather church, that's what we're doing. We're coming back and we're reminding ourselves through worship and through the word who it is that we follow and who it is that is for us and not against us. And we're reminded that this world, there are enemies at work trying to disconnect us from the Father. Don't let him distract you with the things of this world. So he says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Now, I, I like talking about this sometimes because it helps us understand the unseen world. But once again, we, we've got new people that have been joining us recently, and that's awesome. That's the point of the church. We want to invite people into the kingdom and so let, let me tell you a little bit about the unseen realm. Deuteronomy 32, verses 8 through 9. To understand the unseen realm, you have to go back to the very beginning. Dig into Scripture. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. This is the Father, the Most High. He established boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. He has a heavenly court. And he said this, for the people of Israel belong to the Lord. That, that was his. When he established all the boundaries and he divided up his heavenly court, who would oversee whom? He took Israel, the smallest and the weakest of all the peoples, and he said, this is mine. You take everything else I'll take these guys right here. This is my portion. Jacob, his special possession. Now, if you're still following along, Psalm 82. Jump forward a little bit there. God presides over heaven's court. 
Here we go. Here's the heavenly court again. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? He's calling out his heavenly court right here. How long? How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. I say you are God's. This is God to his heavenly court. I say you are God's. You are children of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals. They had failed at their assignment. When he divided up the lands under his heavenly court, his heavenly court, they didn't dispense justice to the poor or the orphans. They favored the wicked and the unrighteous. And so now he says, he calls them to judgment. He says, you are gods, you are all children of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth for all the nations belong to you. That's the mission of the cross. That's the mission of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. God had tried to trust his heavenly court. He divided them up and they failed at the task he had given them. And so he sent Jesus to take back his people. He wants everyone. He doesn't just want Israel. He wants everyone to know that they are invited in to the family. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Once again, this is helping us understand the supernatural, the unseen realm. If we don't understand this stuff, the basics of it, we're going to go on through this world thinking all that matters is what we can see. But there's an unseen world at work, and we have to understand it to know what is really happening. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God, those same sons of God mentioned in Psalm 82, mentioned in the court of his heavenly host. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and they took any they wanted as their wives. They came down and they took the, the, the human women as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilim lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. And all of a sudden, your mind is starting to track and realize, oh man, all, all those stories we've heard that we thought were myths and legends, Achilles and Hercules, half men, half gods. There's an origin story that lies in Scripture. But most of the church has ignored it because we didn't know how to deal with it. We didn't know how to understand it because what we see is what we understand and we couldn't see or understand this. And so we put it away and we said, well, no, that's just, we don't talk about that passage. We don't talk about any of these passages. At Revival, we talk about these passages. 
for me, I love it. I think it's fun because it starts to put the world in perspective and you start to see and understand there are evil spiritual forces at work against God's people. And when you start to understand that and believe that, it will change radically the way you live your life. So now we got this supernatural worldview. Now I want to tie that into Revelation 12 and why Jesus came and when Jesus came. If you guys got your Bibles, flip with me there. Revelation 12, verse 1. The woman and the dragon. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he, is, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and see, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. The enemy is here, and he knows he has little time, but he is after us with everything in him. The powers, the authorities, the dominions that work in this world, they are working against God's people to take anyone and everyone with them because they've already been defeated. And so when you've lost, what do you do? You try to take everyone down with you that you can. You try to ruin it for everyone else because it's already been ruined for you. Now, this is wild. I, I, I love this, but Psalm 19.1. And Paul, he quotes this in Romans, but it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The heavens above us communicate information. And so all of a sudden, when you start to understand that, you look at Revelation 12 and you can begin to understand something else is at work here in this revelation that John shares. There's this thing, uh, this term, it's called astral theology. 
And, and there's people much smarter than me that I've read that have studied this and understood this passage. And so I, I'm going to give you the layman's terms for what I've come to understand over this past year and a half about this passage here in Revelation. Okay, I'll, I'll try to make it much simpler than these really smart people uh, that talk about it than what they explain. Uh, astral theology was the idea that the one who made the celestial objects in the heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars, for the signs and the seasons to mark time, he can use those objects to communicate. And so when you read this passage, this expert in astral theology, he, he read this passage and he began to study and look at how the sun and the stars and, and how they move and, and what's described here. And so he actually figured out that what's being described here is that there's a constellation known as Virgo and, and it's this woman and she is clothed with the sun. This is astronomical language for the sun being in the midst of this constellation. And so he started looking at this and he started to see some things lining up. And, and so he began to look and realize this, for this situation to occur, for this to happen, this, this constellation, for it to be clothed in the sun, okay? Uh, the imaginary line in the sky that the sun and the moon follow in their journey throughout these zodiac constellations uh, it, it would have been clothed mid-body between the neck and the knees of the woman. And this clothing of the woman by the sun occurs for a 20-day period each year. And this 20-day period could indicate the general time that Jesus was born. That's what's being described here. This woman giving birth to the son. we can find the exact birth within 20 days according to this right here. But then he goes on. He says, it, it describes the moon was under the feet of the woman. And the sun must be in this constellation while the moon is at her feet. And with this information, you can now not just narrow down the birth of Jesus to 20 days, but you can narrow it down to a 90-minute window you can find the exact day and the hour and a half window in which he was born. And it lines up with the, this constellation of Leo uh, that was important for, as, for these, uh, as they were looking at the astrology of it all, because it, he, he's the lion of Judah. He comes from the line of the lion of Judah. And you start looking in there and all of a sudden you see the combination of these signs in the sky when it lines up with this 90-minute window. It lines up the day that Jesus was born. It wasn't December 25th. Spoiler, all right? The date this event would have occurred when he lined it up perfectly to what's described here in Revelation. And when these signs lined up in the sky was September 11th. Yeah, right here. This is Jesus' birthday right here. Some of you guys are like, huh, what? This is it. September 11th, 3 BC. 
He lined it up perfectly. All these things happen exactly on September 11, 3 B.C. And then you can even, we know, we know of the, uh, the star that the Magi followed, right? And, and uh, uh, as they were following this star, you can even line that up. And you can see that there was something called the King Star. And they followed the King Star because it was actually like, this is a whole thing. I mean, once again, these guys are much smarter than me. They explain it better. But it, it lines up around the time of February when most people believe that they were heading that direction. And so it's this lining up of the King Star. And I don't know if you, you, you ever heard of retrograde? Anybody ever heard of retrograde? Okay, yeah, Jupiter, it, it was on its motion in retrograde. And so they were following it as it lined up to this King Star. So many things lining up. And so here we are. Merry Christmas, everyone. That's what I came to tell you today. September 11th, Merry Christmas. It's a fun day to celebrate, but it's also the day that he was born. It was called Tishri 1 on the Jewish calendar. Tishri 1. And this was a significant date for the Jewish people. And so when you start to look in line at the way the Jewish people would have been looking at this, there's another significant figure in their history that was born on this date, and it was Noah. And you can find that if you, if you go back to Genesis, there's a passage there, uh, Genesis 8, that talks about the, the day Noah was born. And it describes it and, it, and it lines up, Tishri 1 was the day he was born. And this symbolism and this connection between Noah and Jesus because what did God do? He used Noah to deliver the human race from the sin of the sons of God. The sons of God came down in chapter 6, and they intermingled with the daughters of men, and they defiled the human race. That was what they did. They came down, and they defiled God's creation. And so what did God do? He used Noah to build the ark and to save the human race and to wipe out what the sons of God had come and desecrated. And in the same way, God sent his son Jesus to come and wipe out the sin that the human race and what the sons of God, what we had brought into this world that he created to be good, that he created to be beautiful, that he created to be without pain, without death, without sickness. Everything that they had brought in to desecrate his creation. He sent his son to make right again. Jesus came to take back territory. He came to take back hearts. And so now when we gather church, that's what we're doing. We gather together and we're two or more are gathered, he's there. We're taking back territory as the church because that's what we've been called to do. That's what his son did. And so that's why we walk by his word and we live in this world according to his truth. Because keep going there in Revelation 12. Go back with me, Revelation 12, verse 13. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child 
But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times and a half a time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war. He declared war against the rest of her children. That's us. That's all of humanity. The dragon has declared war against us. To go next level in your faith, you have to understand you are in a war. You have to understand that you have to have the mindset of battle when you wake up and you put your feet on the ground every morning. That there's an enemy trying to take you away from the Father's presence, to try and draw you away from his grace and his truth and his Holy Spirit, to try and break you off so he can get you alone away from his body, the church. A next level mindset means understanding that you are in a war. The dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. That's who he's at war against. Those who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. That's our goal as believers to keep following one day after the next and to walk in truth to the word he's given us, to follow his commandments, to live by them, and to keep the testimony of Jesus in our lives, to take it everywhere we go. Because when we share the testimony of Jesus with others, what he's done in our lives, what he's freed us from, the darkness and the chains that the world wants us to live under, when you understand that and you share that testimony, it sets captives free. You're taking back territory. You're winning the hearts and minds of those who are lost to the darkness of this world, who have been given over to the way of the enemy and have followed and trusted in his lies over God's truth. Church, that's our mission to take back territory, to win back hearts and minds to the truth of who he is. Walk in the word and share your testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. Worship team, you guys can come up. That last verse, then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. This is his last stand. He's a defeated enemy. He has no other cards left to play. When Jesus came out of the grave, he stole the keys of death back from him. And now he's given us the keys of his authority to walk through this world. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Take back your authority in Jesus' name today. Church, let's stand and worship. And I, I'll tell you what, it is Christmas. And so I, I ordered these little keys. So we got gifts for you today. You can come up and grab one if you want during this last song. You can grab it after church. I know kids, you know, you're in worship with us today. We got gifts for you today. Merry Christmas. Today, you get to take back your keys of authority.
And remember that you walk through this world. You walk in truth and grace because you've been freed by the blood of the Lamb. The dragon has no hold on you anymore. Take this key as a reminder of the authority you carry as a son of the Most High. Where his sons in the divine council failed and fell short, he's risen up a new family to take their place. You are sons and daughters of the Most High. You have authority in the name of Jesus to take back territory. That's why I love here at Revival, we aren't just in one spot. We're not just in a building and this is our territory. No, he's called us to be a church on the move. And wherever we go, we're going to take back territory in Jesus' name. Amen. So grab one of these keys on your way out today. Put it somewhere where you can look at it as a reminder of the authority you carry in Jesus' name.